Hey guys, welcome back to Talk To Me Sister podcast, season two. If you're new to the pod, we're twin sisters and a ton has happened since last season. I'm a cancer survivor. Kathy had my baby. The baby's here, happy and healthy. Yes, and we're advocates for women's health and we're going to cover a lot of topics this season. So thanks for following along. Hey guys, welcome back to Talk To Me Sister podcast. We are here today with Susan Marks. She is a cannabis nurse and a member of the American Cannabis Nurses Association. Susan is a native Californian and received her bachelor's of science in nursing from Mount St. Mary's College. She has clinical experience in adult medical, surgical, pediatric oncology, hematology, home care, case management, disease management, quality improvement, and risk management. Oh my gosh, Susan, you are a wealth of knowledge and Uh we are so excited (laughs) to have you here. This is a topic that means a lot to me and I, you know, as a cancer patient and somebody that partook in cannabis for treatment and side effects, we have a lot of questions for you today. Yeah. And we, one thing we love is I think a lot of people talk about all of this on the internet We and don't necessarily have the qualifications. So we're <laughs> yes. excited to hear from someone who is qualified. Very good point. And Susan also works with medical patients who want to include cannabis in their management programs, like along with their clinical interventions. Mm-hmm. And Susan educates and consults clients on, how do we say this? Endocannabinoid? Endocannabinoid system. system. Did we say that right? Perfect. I love it. That's a tongue twister. It's It's a a big word. But this I love is that you work with people on how to select safe and reliable products, dosing, risks, and benefit, and drug interactions, which sometimes they don't think about, but it's really important if you're someone like Sarah who is going through chemo and understanding how it can work alongside is like an integrative treatment. So, wow, mm-hmm. this is incredible. We are so excited to have you. Yes. Thank you. I am yeah. very excited to be here. And I'm really uh, looking forward to this. I love talking about cannabis. I love educating people. It's such a valuable resource for everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. And so few people know about it. So I really appreciate you asking me to be on your podcast. You're wonderful. Well, thank you. And tell us tell us a little bit about you, like how you decided to really focus on this after you studied kind of Western medicine and became a nurse. How did you become passionate about CBD and cannabis for your patients? Well, um, you know, I was never a cannabis user. I mean, in college, I would smoke a little bit, but I just preferred beer and wine way more than (laughs) cannabis. Recreationally, yeah. (laughs) Right. So it was completely off my radar screen until... Uh, I hit around, you know, 50 years old, and I have a progressive neurological movement disorder. It's called essential tremor. Mm. And so it had got around the age of 50, it had gotten to the point where my hands were shaking so bad, I couldn't drink out of a glass, I couldn't button my shirts, I was losing my independence, it was embarrassing to me to go out to a restaurant and try to use a fork. I would never order soup because I couldn't hold the soup in the spoon. You know, all these things you kind of adapt to what's happening, but it really does take an emotional 
toll and a physical toll because the only treatment for essential tremor are anticonvulsants or anti-seizure medication. Mm -hmm. And those are very, very strong barbiturate anticonvulsants, and they really messed up with my head. And so I was desperate to find an alternative. And so I got on YouTube, I got on PubMed, which is the National Institutes of Health, their um, public database Mm -hmm. of medical information. So I was, you know, just trying to find alternative treatments for seizures for Parkinson's, because that's very similar to essential tremor, just to see if I could figure out some other way to manage this. And I stumbled on cannabis and I, you know, I'm a little embarrassed now to say that when people would talk about medical cannabis, I would kind of roll my eyes and smile mm-hmm. thinking, yes. yeah, it's great for medical pay for cancer patients. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's, you know, air quotes. Yeah, it's medical. Right. Sure. Exactly. But then once you, once you get into the research of it, I was shocked to find more than about 25,000 research papers on cannabis all the way back to the 1960s, 1950s from a scientist in Israel. His name is Raphael Meshulam, and he was kind of the pioneer. They One of their very first research papers was about kids who had devastating epilepsy where they were having you know, 300 seizures, you know, a week, and Mm -hmm. how cannabis really, like, practically eliminated it, you know, it didn't eliminate it completely. But so I thought, okay, well, if that works to stop the, the seizures in kids, maybe it will work for me. So anyway, to make a very long story short, I just absorbed all of the information on it as I could. It made me very hopeful that there was an alternative there for me, which at the time meant everything. And number two is I wanted everybody to know about this. I thought, okay, I've been a nurse for 35 years. Why haven't I heard about this? Why aren't clinicians talking about this? Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of made it my mission to talk as much and to as many people as I could, just so that they knew that this was available to them. Mm -hmm. And so for my own journey, I had to do a lot of trial and error with different products at different dosages and different protocols. And I finally found a protocol that worked for me, which is basically a high CBD with some raw cannabis, which is THCA, and a little bit of THC at night. I don't like that intoxicated feeling. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my patients don't like that either. And and for anybody out there listening who has that issue, just know there are a lot of ways that you can get around not Mm -hmm. having to deal with that. So don't let something like that stop you. That's such a good point. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like even when I was, you know, taking some dosage, people would always ask me like, oh my gosh, I can't even, I can't, I I can't, I don't like the feeling of not being in control or functioning, but I think that that depends on the dosage and it's important to know that like when it's used medically, you don't have to feel like incapacitated, right? Is that your message? Yeah, that's exactly right. The plant itself 
is like a treasure trove of pharmaceutical opportunities. And the plant has more than 150 cannabinoids in them. There's only really one that gives you that intoxicated feeling, which is THC. And all the other 149 compounds in the plant have medicinal effects. So if you just limit the amount of THC or, you know, completely eliminate it, then you can get all of the medical therapeutic benefits without having the intoxication. If you need THC, because whatever condition you're trying to manage requires a little bit of THC, like in my case, I simply take it at night before I go to bed. Mm -hmm. I sleep like a baby. I don't have to deal at all with any intoxication. And I wake up feeling refreshed. There's none of that kind of hangover feeling that you get from, you know, sleeping pills or even Benadryl. Right. And I, it's so interesting because I think so many people are nervous about CBD even, but THC and cannabis in general, but are okay with taking, you know, but like, okay with taking lots of Benadryl and like Tylenol and all this, all the stuff that can be such high side effect Mm -hmm. and then leave you feeling drowsy the next day and often THC doesn't do that. Right. So you're helping people find the right dose. Like how do, how do you do that? Is it like, um, you know, just working with them, problem shooting, how do, how do you, t- that seems tedious to find yeah, how, everybody's correct dosage. Right. I bet it's client to client, but how do you approach a, a new client? So, uh, yes, it is individual for everybody and you have to take in some, some major variables such as age. So the older you are, the slower your metabolism, the less cannabis you need. And I say cannabis and I mean CBD and all the other compounds, not just mm-hmm. the intoxicating version. Right. So, so the older you are, the less you need, the younger you are, the more you need because you have a much higher metabolism. Mm -hmm. And then for everybody, you need to start with a very low dose and increase it over time, little by little until you get to the point where, you know, whatever symptom it was that you were trying to manage is managed. Or if you increase the dose and you start feeling worse, then you know you've hit that tipping point and you need to to pull back the dose a little bit. You can give yourself more time for your body to become acclimated to it and then try to increase it again. But with cannabis, more is not necessarily better. So, and it's also expensive and this isn't covered by insurance. So the way I, I approach it is don't take more than you need and let's figure out what is the very lowest effective dose that's going to give you the results that you're looking for. So I have them keep a diary. I give them the schedule of increases depending on what, what protocol or what formula they're on. And usually if it's a very low THC protocol, then you can increase it more quickly. And because you aren't dealing with any of the the psychoactive or the intoxicating uh, feelings from the THC and and all the other cannabinoids are so well tolerated 
mm-hmm. that that the THC component is really what we're trying to manage in terms of how they feel on higher doses. Right. Like what they can handle. Wow. So I think I, I know the answer to this, but just because you, you've clearly found your like life's calling and passion and helping people do this, but are you, your trimmers completely managed on your protocol? Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't have steady hands. I haven't had steady hands in 15 years, but, um, but I am no longer on the anti-seizure meds, which was a huge, huge relief. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm able to do my day-to-day things without any interference of the tremors. The, the, the condition itself, if, if someone is under any kind of stress, whether it's good stress or bad stress, whether you're laughing really hard or if you're emotionally upset or you're too hot or you're too cold, what happens is the tremors really like take off. And so I still have to deal with that. And so there are ways to use cannabis in a way that's going to give you some quick short-term effects. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. Wow. What so a huge, story you have. Yeah. I mean, that's huge that you're off the anti-seizure or trimmer meds. I mean, that's, that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. yeah I mean, um, I was thrilled. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> We are excited to have Seeking Health back as a sponsor for season two of the Talk To Me Sister podcast. If you want quality vitamins, you can use our code SISTERS2 for 10% off your next order. This exclusive coupon gets you 10% off your next order. That's SISTERS2. Visit SeekingHealth.com. So... Susan, before we get into specific ways CBD and cannabis help physical, um, some physical conditions, let's take a couple steps back if we can, just for people listening that don't know a ton about cannabis and CBD and the differences. Can you just give us a quick, just kind of definition of the differences between cannabis and between CBD, and then give us maybe like the quick 101 on both of their effects on the body's endocrine system? Sure, sure. No problem. It's like a high level on that. Yes, of course. So the difference between THC and CBD is that THC is intoxicating. CBD is not. THC is fantastic for moderate to severe pain. It's often used in cancer patients and end-of-life scenarios for that reason. And CBD is better for mild to moderate pain. THC is fantastic for chemotherapy uh, mm-hmm. induced nausea and vomiting. And CBD is also great for nausea and vomiting. And CBD is great for epilepsy, whereas THC a little bit, but nowhere near the, the effectiveness of CBD. So like I was saying, in a cannabis plant, there are 150 different cannabinoids. So THC is a cannabinoid, CBD is a cannabinoid, THCA, which I mentioned earlier, is another cannabinoid. So you have all 
Mother Nature has put all of these different compounds and molecules in this plant. And when you know what the medical effects are of each of the individual cannabinoids, and you know what the patient's issues are, you can match the two. And then, you know, you have a much higher chance of resolving whatever the issues are. And a lot of people say, oh, my God, you know, how is it possible that cannabis can be just as good for your uh, seizures or your essential tremor? And it's also good for cancer patients who are dealing with nausea. We've mm-hmm. kind of been conditioned by the pharmaceutical company to think that you take one drug for one symptom mm-hmm. and then people end up on 18 different prescription meds. They do, mm-hmm. especially later in life too. They, That's just, ex- they get to take a medication and you get a side effect and then you take a medication to help that side, side effect, effect and, yeah. it, and it snowballs. Yes. And it's, it's really, it's quite tragic actually because- you know, with cannabis, since you have all of these compounds in this one plant, you can take one medicine, cannabis, mm-hmm. and it's going to manage many things that are going on at the same time. So, for example, with the elderly, they have difficulty sleeping. A lot of them either have anxiety or depression. They have joint pain, arthritis, you know, autoimmune disease, etc. They can't sleep. Um, they're inflamed. So instead of giving them five different pharmaceutical drugs to manage each of those issues, they can just take a couple of droppers of cannabis tincture under their tongue a couple Mm -hmm. times a day, and it manages everything. Wow. Um, I just love that. I know. It's fantastic. Yeah. I feel like I being just a cancer survivor and doing treatment for over a year, I found that that was the best for me too. It wasn't, I needed something. Obviously I love the natural form and that cannabis is a plant, but I needed something that managed my nausea. And so that's why I kind of first looked into it because I needed something to kind of curb that side effect because I could not eat like Mm -hmm. days after treatment. Mm -hmm. And that was hard because you're trying to build strength to just do treatment again the next day. So I found that THC really helped me with appetite. It was hard for me to sleep. I remember in my overnight stays in the hospital, they would give me Benadryl. And like you said earlier, it makes you groggy. It made me feel worse. And so Kathy would stay with me in the hospital, but I would sneak in my THC gummies. Yeah, Um, I love it. (laughs) My doctor didn't even know that. But honestly, I swear by it with side effects. And so I actually did a deep dive into podcasts and research and stuff when I was you know, partaking in some of the dosing and trying to figure out what was going to be best for me. I wish I had known you then. I do too. Um, But it's interesting because I wanted to ask you a question because obviously we're talking about physical conditions. We already know, you've already said that THC and CBD help chronic pain, cancer, epilepsy, autoimmune, um, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's. We talked about the elderly. I'm curious, do you have any cancer patients specifically ever coming to you asking, like saying they're not, they're just bypassing conventional treatment and they just want to take THC for for a cure. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get that? Because I, I went down a rabbit hole and honestly, I found so many success stories this way. And just because you come from a Western medicine background, I'm interested on your take on that, like RSO and 
and different? Like, do you, how do you, I'm interested in, in that topic and what you think about that. Yeah, I, um, I have had people come and say they're interested in just doing cannabis. And yeah. I always, I always say to them that it's better to use all of the tools in the toolbox that are mm-hmm. available to us to fight especially a life-threatening type of cancer. Mm-hmm. So I would never recommend somebody just go down one avenue. Yes. That's what you thought too. I yeah. love to hear you say yes, because it's funny when you're in the, when you're actually in the patient seat, I, it's people come out of the woodwork and they want to tell you what they think is best for mm. the way you should survive. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, I, I didn't just heal, heal naturally. Kathy and I obviously love everything natural, but we also believe in Western medicine and science and when you need I, it, sure. when you need it. And Absolutely. Um, I, I <laughs> chemotherapy is the route that saved me and I trusted my doctor and I think she's brilliant, but I do, I do think that cannabis and CBD both together helped me not only fight certain symptoms along the way, but helped me recover quicker. And so mm-hmm. I yeah, also that- agree. I'm glad to hear you say that because we, we believe the same thing. Yeah. And there are a couple of quick points I want to make for anybody who has this issue. Mm -hmm. Cannabis can be used in two different ways regarding cancer. Number one is just symptom management. And the other two is to help fight the cancer. These are two very different approaches. It sounds like you were using cannabis to manage your your symptoms and to Mm -hmm. speed up your recovery. There is a lot of medical research that shows that particular cannabinoids such as THC, CBD, and CBG are very effective at fighting fighting different types of cancer cells. So mm-hmm. for people who do want to use it as an adjunct to their chemotherapy, mm-hmm. uh, we use very high doses of uh, RSO or Rick Simpson oil, which is a concentrated cannabis oil you will usually get about 700 milligrams of either THC or CBD or CBG in a one milliliter syringe. And what I do is I mix that with uh, cocoa butter and make suppositories. The Mm -hmm. benefits of using suppositories. Yeah. It's, it's a total game changer. I mean, it's really, it's incredible. So anyway, when you use cannabis as a suppository, it bypasses the liver. So you Mm -hmm. don't get that intense high. So you can tolerate much higher doses. And Mm -hmm. also there's greater bioavailability, meaning the body can utilize more of the medicine than in any other route of administration. So well, I took RSO. And I wish I had known this because I literally, I can tell you, I I could not move off my bed. Mm, (laughs) Yeah. I thought this is not normal, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I was like, I think it's working because I can't (laughs) move my fingers. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wait, you said something earlier that I was going to ask you about. C. you said CBG. Mm Mm-hmm. I've never heard of CBG. Yeah. Can you tell us? We're learning so much, Susan. Oh, I'm so glad. (laughs) Yeah, so CBG is one of the other cannabinoids, just like THC and uh, CBD and THCV. And each cannabinoid has like its superpower. So for example, THCV is the cannabinoid that is 
most metabolically active, meaning that it helps regulate blood sugar, it helps speed up your metabolism, it helps with insulin resistance, it helps with weight loss. So any of those oh. metabolic functions is where THCV comes in. So wow. CBG is just one of the cannabinoids that they've studied specifically for cancer, along with THC and CBD. Those are really the three primary cannabinoids for cancer itself. So if I'm working with a patient, I will usually teach them how to make their own suppositories using the Rick Simpson oil with the different um, cannabinoids in them. And that not only makes it more tolerable, but it's a lot cheaper. Because if you go to a dispensary and you buy that, that dosage of cannabis in a suppository, if they even have it, you know, you're paying 50 or about $20 per suppository. If you make it at home, it's about half that cost. And it's very easy to do. So that's a great thing to pass on to people. They have a skill to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, So that's so interesting. I was going to ask you too about, because especially cancer patients, we think of THC as helping with weight gain because it helps with appetite, helps with nausea. Mm -hmm. But this strain that you're talking about can help with weight loss because if you're helping with insulin resistance and metabolism, it, it sounds like this, this one has a whole different function. Yes. Of. Yes, it wow. does. In fact, there's a pharmaceutical company called GW Pharmaceutical out in the UK, and they've put a patent on THCV, and they're currently developing cannabis-based drugs to help treat diabetes, obesity, you know, and that whole, that wow. whole constellation right. of issues. Right. Like the metabolic syndrome. Exactly. In- yeah. So- incredible. We just wanted to take a minute to say thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, to follow if you're on Spotify, and please take a minute to leave a review. We would be so grateful if you left a review. That's a great way for our podcast to grow. We are going to be releasing a monthly newsletter where we're going to highlight a recent review and that person gets highlighted on the newsletter, but also gets a gift from one of our sponsors. So thanks so much. Okay. I have another question. I have so many questions. Yeah. Keep going. So, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> of all the different strains and everything we're talking about. So we're in Tennessee. We can't legally buy medical marijuana, which is crazy because when Sarah was sick, that's like what we needed. But now here we can legally get Delta eight, which has CBD plus some THC. And it does have like, have some intoxicating effects mm-hmm. I mean, has we've had but, family members be like we can't even we can't do, do it anything. yeah and it's like clearly you have to figure out it, like anything you have to figure out i'm like i gotta eat like a fourth of a gummy <laughs> our mother and that's yeah. good but uh, she won't care that we have her on the podcast yeah. but uh <laughs> but i want to know what you think about what is delta eight like i don't, honestly don't even know what it is but i i will say just for people listening like regular cbd will jump into like the mental health component but yeah, didn't really help my anxiety but a little bit of THC has really helped my anxiety and people sometimes have the opposite effect where THC aggravates their anxiety. Yeah. I'm going forward. But, mainly I want to know about Delta yeah, 8. Yeah, Delta 8. Before we get into the <laughs> mental stuff, because I still have a couple physical questions. So do you, do you come across 
like tell us what Delta Eight is because in Tennessee we we can legally purchase it. Yeah, we yeah. see that on like a bunch of things combined with CBD. And is there a benefit that they're combined together? Well, yes. Anytime you have uh, cannabinoids that are combined together, you're going to get a better effect. Mm-hmm. The only time I will recommend isolates, which is you know you'll buy just CBD. And if you read the ingredients, it'll say CBD isolate. That means they've just extracted that one molecule from the plant. And it's really the entourage effect, meaning the the joint effect of this entire mixture of all of these cannabinoids together where you're going to get the best response. So with <clears throat> back to your question about THCV, or sorry, uh, Delta-8. Delta-8. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Delta-8 is more of a, it does cause some intoxication a little bit. And it's a much softer, it's probably the best way to describe it. It's a softer intoxication. Whereas, like you were saying, Sarah, when you were taking the RSO, you mm-hmm. literally could not move a muscle mm-hmm. in your body. So it's, that's, a, that's kind of a heavier intoxication. Now, with the different effects on anxiety, it really has more to do with the terpenes that are in the plant and not so much the cannabinoids because, you know, there are different strains of cannabis that are very sedating and are great for pain and nausea and all of that. And then there, and those, those are classified as indicas. And then on the other side of the spectrum, the sativas are more energizing. So if you have anxiety and you're taking a sativa, you're going to get more anxious. If you take the indica, you're going to become more relaxed. Now, the thing that differentiates an indica from a sativa, they both have the THC in them, which is the same molecule. But the terpenes, which are the essential oils in the plant, are the things that distinguish between the indicas and the sativas and how you how it feels in your body. So if you're looking for a strain that's going to be pain relieving and sedating, you're going to want to find cannabis strains that have linalool and myrcene. And if you're looking for something that's going to energize you or, you know, a lot of, a lot of times artists will use sativas to kind of stimulate their creative juices. Mm-hmm. In that case, you want to find cannabis products that have the terpenes of like uh, limonene and, you know, the more, the more energizing essential oils. So mm-hmm. that's really the Unless you're an anxious artist. Yes. <laughs> Where you're like, right. Maybe not. See, this is encouraging for people though, because sometimes people will try and go, oh, it didn't work for me, but they need to know that okay, yeah. if you if you're looking for an alternative solution, you need to Well, that's why I feel like it's so important to talk to a cannabis nurse specifically because I do have a lot of people that come into contact with even like um, people, not just people fighting cancer, but just friends who are like, Well, oh, C B D made me more anxious. But you know, I feel like that's why you have to find someone with qualification. I have a question about when people come to you, though, because we're in Tennessee. You, I'm sure you have a ton of out-of-town clients, right? Do you have a kind of spe- like a certain, do, do people have to have a medical grade marijuana card 
to have a consult with you? I mean, are there like stipulations on who you help and who you don't help? Not really. The only thing, I mean, I can, I can consult with anybody, even if they're just looking for some information. If somebody's looking to have guidance with a treatment protocol, if they live in a legal state, Mm -hmm. I can go on to weed maps and find the dispensaries that are closest to them in their neighborhood and look at their menu and go through and identify products that I think will, you know, meet their needs. Mm-hmm. If I'm here in California, if the, you know, if my, when my clients are here, a lot of them are elderly. A lot of them have really no desire to go into a dispensary. And mm-hmm. so I can set up arrangements either to have the dispensary deliver it to them. Any kind of CBD products I, I bring with me. Uh, because those are over the counter and all of that. So okay. depending on which state you're in will determine whether you need a medical marijuana card or a recommendation. Mm. Okay, before we go to mental, do you have, I love a good testimonial or like a good healing story. Do you have any any of those to share? Oh, I do. Pick so, like, I know we're like already halfway through, but Pick like your favorite one. <laughs> I feel like people love to hear. It's hopeful to hear people's like healing stories and kind of those good testimonials. So, okay. Well, we've talked a lot about cancer mm-hmm. um, and with the tremor, that's movement disorders. You know, one of the other class of health issues that responds so well to cannabis, it's amazing are autoimmune diseases. So if you have fibromyalgia, if you have MS, if you have Crohn's disease, if you have Hashimoto's, thyroiditis, any of those, um, any of those autoimmune conditions responds very favorably to cannabis. And so I have a client, she's been my client now for about six years. She has autoimmune disease. She has lupus. And so the cannabinoids that are best for lupus are THCA or the raw cannabis. And the reason why is because that cannabinoid actually regulates your immune system through your endocannabinoid system, Mm -hmm. which actually we haven't talked about. And I can explain what that is in a minute. But so anyway, she went from being on, you know, fairly high doses of prednisone and in a lot of pain and just, you know, kind of at her wits end. She had been followed by a rheumatologist for years. And unfortunately, this is kind of the, the typical scenario where somebody will try all the options in in Western medicine before they start looking for more natural or alternative uh, Mm -hmm. approaches. So, and that was basically her case where, you know, she had a a little boy and she had a hard time just getting out of bed and dealing with life and Mm -hmm. was really, I mean, I've been there. I know what it feels like when, your health is be, has become such an obstacle to mm. your daily functioning and the mental and the emotional toll that it can take on you. 
in my case, I was going through menopause at the same time. I know you, you guys are really into women's health. Mm-hmm. And so it was like a double whammy. And that's usually what happens with women when they get to this age, 40 and older, mm-hmm. is they start dealing with decreasing levels of estrogen and progesterone and, you know, all the sex hormones and, you know, dealing with the side effects of that. Plus, they're often dealing with another chronic illness. Mm -hmm. Uh, In this case, it was a woman who was diagnosed with lupus, but it could be breast cancer, it could be uh, diabetes, it could be heart disease, all of these things kind of come up for women, once they get past their childbearing years. Mm -hmm. So So anyway, she got down to, after we got her on a a protocol that was working for her, which included THCA, CBD, and a little bit of THC, we we got her prednisone dose down to two milligrams, which was Mm. completely doable for her. She was out of pain. She was, you know, out of depression and all that goes along with, you know, an initial diagnosis of something like that. And so, and it's kind of a similar story with everybody, you know, and they, they usually come to me when they're kind of at their wits end. And then after they use cannabis and they get on the other side, they are like so grateful, just the way I am. I am so grateful Mm -hmm. for this plant. Um, Okay. On that, just like uh, on that testimonial and talking about women's health, have you ever had clients going through fertility struggles who have had benefit with CBD or cannabinoids? That I have not. Um, And there's, there's kind of conflicting uh, research Research, Right. You know, there some, is. Yeah. Some say, oh, it helps fertility and others say, oh, it's terrible for fertility. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I usually don't deal with that sort of thing. We're, real quick, as you mentioned earlier, can you tell us quickly about the endocannabinoid system? Yes. Like, what is that? So your endocannabinoid system is your largest neurotransmitting system. It basically communicates with every other system in your body, whether it's your GI system or your nervous system or your musculoskeletal system. It communicates with everything because its job is to maintain homeostasis, meaning it maintains proper balance of everything that's going on in your body. So if you have autoimmune disease and your immune system is running amok and it's tearing down your own tissues, it will bring that overactive immune system down to a more normal level. And this is what the body does naturally. And we produce our own cannabinoids. They're called endocannabinoids. So they they have identified that at least two of the endocannabinoids that every human produces on their own are 2-AG and anandamide. Those two molecules are virtually identical to THC and to CBD. So when we are That's faced, wild. yeah, I mean, it's incredible. It's the, the, probably the most significant scientific discovery of you know, the 20th century. They mm, they discovered the system in the 90s. Yeah, it's like the plant is a part of our body. It so is. It already. Is. 
Yeah, I mean, it's been used as medicine for 5,000 years. Humans and this plant have evolved together, and it has been used as food and textiles and all kinds of things. So back in the, before there was prohibition on this plan, it was the most widely prescribed drug in the United States. And <clears throat> so we used to have more interaction with it. You know, the farmers would feed hemp to the cows, we would eat the cows and we would ingest the endocannabinoid or we would ingest cannabinoids. But once they prohibited that, our supply uh, of these phytocannabinoids, which are cannabinoids from plants, mm -hmm. basically went away. So, so that natural supplementation of our diet went away. And at the same time, our body became exposed more and more to toxins and mm -hmm. to stress and to all of these things that break down our health. So when you take in cannabis, you're basically supplementing with the same molecules that your body produces naturally in order to maintain health, maintain homeostasis. And if anything's out of balance, whether it's a proliferation of cancer cells or, you know, autoimmune disease, it brings all of those things back into balance holistically. You know, it's not you're taking in a drug that's altering this, which has a result of that. It's like you're giving your body the natural kind of the, the raw materials it needs to maintain your health. That's so incredible and Isn't such it? a fascinating discovery too. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, you, on your website, you give dispensary education and I'm sure when you have patients do consults with you, they're like, okay, what do we do next? So um, you talk a lot about that on your site. So maybe as we start to close the episode, you can tell people kind of what you recommend or how to, you know, what to, how to go from there. Yeah. So the dispensary education is actually two pronged. One is for the clients and it's more of a warning than really education, but I, they just need to understand that they're going into a retail operation and their goal is to sell products. I have actually written down a prescription for a particular brand and a particular formula, given it to the patient. They take it to the dispensary and they have been told, you know, we don't carry that, but we have this over here, which is just the same. And mm. it's not. Yeah. yeah. I would feel they like that would, know. that could be risky too, with like what you're, you, you've, really worked really hard to get this exact prescription. You're for probably like, you probably tell your patients, ask me if they do that. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I can I throw do. the whole thing off. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then the second prong on the dispensary education is, you know, I do whatever I can to encourage dispensaries to have educated staff. A lot of the dispensaries here in California anyway, they're mainly staffed by younger people who have mm -hmm. absolutely no education in health or even what cannabis does. So mm -hmm. an elderly person will go in there and this has happened when I have been in a dispensary and I have to intervene because I feel compelled to, but 
a bud tender will say to an elderly person, yeah, take about 20 milligrams of THC and my eyes get as big as saucers because oh I start God. with about 2.5 milligrams. Wow. Yes. And they're getting somebody who's never used cannabis before this mega dose that for them, <laughs> because they've used it for so long or right. they've gotten, you know, so used to it, 20 milligrams for them is nothing. But you can't tell a- yeah, I would love to be in line with you, Susan, where you like picked your moment. You were like, actually, I'm a <laughs> exactly. nurse. Let Hold me on. take this from here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Well, exactly. That's, that's insane. So um, will you tell the listeners how to connect with you if they want to do a one-on-one consult and oh, where they can find you? Yes, absolutely. So you can just send me an email. My email address is Susan, S-U-S-A-N at DearNurseSusan.com. And a lot of times people say, why did you call it Dear Nurse Susan? Well, I'm old enough that I remember Dear Abby. I don't know if you do, but Mm -hmm. it was people sending in questions about one thing or another. So I always am getting questions. So that's why I called it Dear Nurse Susan. I think that's so cute. Yeah. And we'll put your email in the show notes. So anybody who didn't have a pen and paper, just check the show notes and her email. We're so glad that we have a reference now that we can send people to Mm because Kathy and I believe like we actually have a lot of Kathy's in women's health and then I'm a cancer survivor. So we get like a slew of women who have questions about health and like Kathy has credentials. I just have the experience. So I'm glad that we have somebody like specific to our repertoire. Yeah. And you have credibility. Yeah. I'm just excited (laughs) to have connected with you. Yes. Amazing. And I'm so glad you guys are doing what you're doing, especially in women's health, because women have been so overlooked and they have, especially when they get older or they go through, you know, premature menopause because of Mm -hmm. cancer or you know, whatever. Yes, exactly. And then it's, yeah. So I appreciate that you guys do what you do too. Well, that means a whole lot. We are trying to spread awareness. And before we go, because we're about to hit the 50 minute mark, I feel like we could talk to you for hours. Actually, I have more (laughs) questions. So we can talk, maybe you can come back on the podcast, Ah, but I would love to. uh, Before we go, we always end, we give the guests the last say, and we always try to just encourage our listeners who are maybe dealing with autoimmune disorders or just like really frustrated with their health. So could you leave us with just like a word of advice or some word of encouragement? Yeah. So I would say that there are a lot of tools available to all of us. It's not, it doesn't just have to be in Western medicine or just in Eastern medicine. I have found throughout the years that when you combine these different Uh, modalities is where you're going to see your best response. So Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to, you know, try the more natural approaches before you leap into prescription meds, of course, depending on what the issue is. If you have an infection and they have to give you antibiotics, don't go the natural way, just take the antibiotics. But, (laughs) you know, but if you have, you know, some other lifestyle induced issue, try the natural approach, try changing your lifestyle. And don't be don't be shy, ask a lot of questions, go to a lot of people look on, you know, the internet or YouTube or go to conferences. 
mm-hmm. on these on these alternative methods. You'll learn a lot, and it's for me, it's fun, and it just raises the the bar on hope and you know the ability to really tackle these these kinds of issues. So hang raises, in there. Raises the bar on hope. I love, I that. love that line. Gives you options. It, yes, and it was you're it not is, stuck. Yeah. yeah, because sometimes you know. Some people, they go to the doctor and they think that that's it. So um, thank you. It does raise the bar on hope. Susan, Mm -hmm. thank you so much. Oh, this was so fun, you guys. And anytime you want to uh, continue the conversation, I'd love to. I think we really should. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. for listening to our podcast. Also, make sure to check out our Amazon store. Thank you.